This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today. And somewhat uncharacteristically, I'm going to begin today with a special plea, and that is uh, on behalf of... The kittens who I met and encountered in Albania, I am not explaining this or setting this up well at all. I'm a little flustered. So let me back up and start again. Um, as most of you listening to this podcast are aware, I recently spent some time in Albania leading a writing retreat, the proceeds of which were put towards rescue efforts toward Albanian street cats and dogs. While I was in Albania, I ended up, I mean, befriending might be the wrong word for it, but there was a a mama cat and her three kittens who lived outside the grocery store where I most frequently went. And I got into the habit of feeding them every time I was there. And I I think I've talked about this before, just what an incredibly poor country is and uh, Albania is and and how badly street animals tend to fare there. And without getting into anything too disturbing or too graphic, I will say those of you who work in rescue who've worked with feral cats know what a challenge it can be to get a feral cat to to come and and eat the food you've put down for them. Usually they wait for you to to clear off at a certain safe distance before they will come and eat the food that you've put out for them. And and this is part of the challenge also of of trapping feral cats. Um, These cats were so hungry that they, I mean, they weren't friendly. They did not want any affection from me, but, but they, they just, they, they swarmed the food as I put it down. They, they did not care. They, they did not look at all well. They were not in good shape. They clearly had been very hungry for a very long time. Um, I, they, my, the, the, the organization that I was there working with, uh, where I was, t- you know, t- I was teaching again to fund this rescue organization. And so they were ultimately able to trap the mama cat and her kittens, which is wonderful. But that, of course, is only the first part of the story. And so it, it turns out that they are able to be socialized and we are hoping to find a, a home or, or homes for them and, Transport has already been set up for them to Sweden, where a rescue organization in Sweden is is prepared to to take them and then do take the final steps necessary to adopt them out to families in Sweden, which is a wonderful ending to the story. But of course, money is needed to make all of this happen. And so I'm asking those of you who are listening, um, if you are already on my mailing list, then you should have gotten an email from me today with a link to where you can make a donation on behalf of these kittens. Um, If you are not on my mailing list, you can email me at gwen at gwencooper.com and I can send that link to you. I will not add you to my mailing list unless you you want me to. This is not a ploy to to get people to start signing up to get spam for me on on a regular basis. Um, The only reason I'm not just 
giving you the the URL of the website where you can go and make a donation is because the name of the organization is Albanian and it would just, I think, be more trouble than it's worth to spell it out for you. It would really be much simpler. Again, if you're already on my mailing list, please open the email that I sent you today. And even if you click on nothing else or, or look at nothing else in that newsletter, please, 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 please do click on this link and make any small, I mean, I'm talking $5 would make a tremendous, tremendous difference. I um, as I'm sure you can imagine, you know, it was it was very hard to leave Albania knowing that this group of this little family of of four cats who I felt somewhat responsible for were still in precarious circumstances and not knowing how things would play out. And I it, it's I still feel guilty from time to time. I, I mean, I realized there was really nothing I could have done. I, I could not have stayed indefinitely in Albania. And, and certainly I did what I could working with the rescue organization that that has taken them in. Um, but this would just, even even if you're not, even if you're not going to do it for the cats, you, you could do it for me just to to add a few years onto my life or, or take a few years off or, or however that works. But but basically to um, to so that I could sleep easier knowing that these that this family of, of of a mama cat and kittens who I became very much invested in during my time in Albania that they are on their way to safety and to wonderful new lives again truly five dollars even makes a difference and by the way the the rescue organization um, is a 501c3 not-for-profit rescue organization um, incorporated within the United even though they are based physically in Albania they are incorporated within the United States which I say, number one, to give you some confidence with your donation, but also because your donation is tax deductible uh, to whatever extent that that matters to you or affects your your charitable giving decisions. You can claim any donation that you make as a tax deduction. And I certainly hope you will do so. And again, if you are not already on my mailing list, and if you would like to know how you may donate to this organization, you can just email me, gwen at gwencooper.com, Gwen Cooper, all one word, and I will send you a link and I will not add you to my email list unless um, unless you would like me to do so. So thank you very much and thank you for, for indulging me and letting me get that out of the way. And apologies, by the way, for this week's podcast being a little bit late, a couple of days late. Um, I am truly sorry about that. And, and here we go with the dog ate my homework, but homework is actually sort of my excuse on this one. So as regular listeners know, I have been taking some courses lately, thanks to my Patreon community. Uh, my Patreon, the, the, my supporters, my community on Patreon, they have enabled me, they've put me in a position where I am able to take some continuing education classes in statistical and quantitative analysis, which is even more fun than it sounds like, by the way. And the reason that I'm taking these classes is because as I build my career as an independent author, rather than one working with traditional publishers, one thing that I have to figure out is how to get the most out of my marketing dollar and and where those spends are doing me the most good. Um, it's, you know, because I don't have a physical presence in bookstores for people to see me, I have to rely on advertising, basically, on online advertising. And it's not just as simple as saying, all right, I want to reach, you know, X number of people who like cats and books and and here's my money. There's a lot that you actually, that, that goes into making sure you are spending your money wisely and efficiently 
and not spending more than you need to and and putting it where it's going to generate the most sales and do you the most good. And this, of course, comes down to statistical and quantitative analysis, um, which is not anything that I have ever excelled at in school. And I, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was saying that, that really trying to get this information into my brain, probably the best way to describe it is it's like trying to suck wet cement through a straw. Um, it, it can be done, I suppose, theoretically, but it is slow going. It is a slow and difficult process. Um, and I do have moments of legitimate exhilaration where I feel like I'm understanding things, where I'm starting to see the results of my effort, where I put, you know, as an experiment, $10 into a little ad um, and and see something grow out of it. Not that $10, you know, sells tons and tons of books. I wish it were that simple. But then there are times where I, I have legitimate panic attacks. And the panic, the source of my panic, it's not even so much that I'm finding it difficult at times to learn this. It's, it's that you, you start with that, that kind of cascading sequence of terrible things that are going to follow from the one, the, the one bad thing. So the one bad thing, right, would be that, that I'm not doing a good job at learning. Ha- learning all of this information, as a result of which I will not be able to make my business a success, as a result of which I will be poor and financially precarious and my cats will go hungry and and various other catastrophic things will occur. Um, and I, while the logical part of my mind knows that that it's not quite that dire, at least not yet, um, it, it what can I say? It can be it can be hard to feel that way at times. And so the the point being that I, I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety this week, like like that kind of really paralytic anxiety where you you can't do anything um, because you know and it carries over. Obviously, this podcast is not nearly as high stress as as all the the math that I am trying to learn. Uh, but but it really becomes this kind of of what's the, the, the like self perpetuating cycle of anxiety and and um, existential despair. Wow, this is it's kind of a bummer of a podcast all of a sudden. Anyway, this is all by way of apologizing for being a little bit late in the game this week. But I do promise never to abandon you again, as I did. Um, over the course of the past year, I am in it for good, and I hope you guys are in it for good as well. And um, and yes, and onward goes this thing of ours. And of course, part of the pressure is that it is the holiday season. And so I'm trying to learn and implement things within a very short time frame. I, I do understand at the end of the day, the holiday season is still just one part of the year. And whatever I do or do not accomplish over the course of the next several weeks is not going to be determinative of how my life unfolds over the course of the next year, or how my classes unfold, or how the success of my business unfolds over the course of the next year. It's not like people only buy books about cats between, you know, the, the Friday after Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. And so there, I, I do also understand that a lot of the pressure that I'm putting on myself to really cram this into my head now during the holiday season is unnecessary. But you do get that feeling. You know, it's it's just that time of the year. And, and it just you, you see everyone in this frenzy of of, you know, people who are in, let's say, retail businesses. Um, it, it's hard not to get caught up in that frenzy. And of course, I do have a new book that just came out last week. 
And that book is called You Are Possum, 75 Reasons Why Your Cats Love You and Why Loving Them Back Makes You a Better Human. And I, I know that many of you have purchased the book already. I, I do hope more of you will do so. I'm keeping it, you know, I was originally going to only have the $9.99 price for the book during its launch week just to kind of get it off the ground. Um, but I actually think it may, it pairs, I mean, I know that it pairs very nicely with the first Possum book, uh, which is just called Possum. Headbonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. And so I think the two books together make a nice little gift set for the holiday season. So I'm, I'm keeping through the holidays. I'm going to keep the price at $9.99 for You Are Possum. Um, it really is, as, as I've said before, I think I've said this a couple of times, it truly is, this book is my love letter to cat lovers who I just think are such amazing and insanely underrated people. Uh, you know, part of the reason, and, and this is going back a little ways, uh, but this is also something I've discussed, part of the reason why I decided to work independently to kind of declare my independence from my traditional, from, from traditional publishing, um, from my, my traditional publisher, my agent, et cetera, is just a feeling that um, it, it, there's just really very little room in the business to take animal lovers, particularly cat lovers, seriously. And when I say cat lovers, I guess I should be very specific and say women who love cats. And I understand that there are many men. I have many male readers. It is certainly not only women who love cats. Um, but there is a perception that it is primarily women who love cats and moreover, that women who love cats are just not worth being are not worth taking seriously. It's not a business worth being in. And that is obviously something that bothers me on a, on a lot of levels. But it, it's something that I really have been thinking about a lot over the course of the past year as I have wondered if I'm not. Well, I mean, I know I'm making life harder than it needs to be by working independently, which is not to say that it's the wrong decision. But of course, anything that's difficult at times, you 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 question yourself, which I think is ultimately a good thing. I think when you have no doubts at all, that's when you should probably worry. Um, but it, it, you know, I I have wondered if if I did if I am going on the right path, if I have made the right decisions. Um, although it has been very exciting to do this hand in hand with my Patreon community, which I will talk about in a moment. But when I do get deep in mired into you know, deep into in, into those doubts, I, I do remind myself of of so much of the disrespect that I saw really not I, I can't even say personally towards me, um, although there were there were some other issues, but uh, the disrespect that I routinely saw and and heard in reference to my audience, in reference to my readership, uh, which did not make me feel good and, and certainly did not make me feel like, like these are people that I should be continuing to be in business with. And so anyway, the point being that, that this book really, although again, it's, you know, it's, it's of course supposed to be humorous and it's supposed to be tongue in cheek. And I definitely hope if and when you read this book that, that you get a chuckle or a few chuckles or that it makes you smile. Um, but it is also at core a very, very sincere, love letter to cat lovers, because I will always say, I, I will maintain until until my, uh, I was going to be very dramatic, until my dying day, uh, which is perhaps a little more dramatic than I need to be. But truly, I will always maintain for as long as I am able to maintain things that truly the greatest thing 
about writing a book about Homer, about my cat all those years ago, was that it has over the years continued to put me in touch with such extraordinary humans. Uh, Those of you listening to this podcast, certainly very much among them. And so that book is, is a gift for you. It is my love letter to you. And I hope you decide to check it out. Um, and particularly, again, I, I do want to thank my my Patreon community for enabling me to do all of this. And I'm also, by the way, taking classes in graphic design, because in addition to knowing how and where and when to place my ads, I also want to be able to design and, and create my own ads. Um, I'm basically trying to learn how to do everything that pertains to my business, not because I think it's it's bad to work with other people or to delegate or or outsource, et cetera, et cetera, but because, um, especially at this time of year when people get so busy, um, it's good to be able to operate independently if and when you need to. And, and I also um, like knowing how to do things. So anyway, back to my Patreon community, and and I do want to thank you, and I will next week um, begin thanking you by name. But Patreon, for those of you who are not familiar, is a service that allows you to become a patron of a creator or an artist whose work you admire. And basically, you know, every... Every creator has their own Patreon set up differently and and in terms of how much it costs or what you get with it. But the idea is you pay anywhere from $3 on up a month in exchange for which you get early access or exclusive perks or behind the scenes um, sorts of goodies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Actually, many of you, those of you who are at uh, the appropriate level at my Patreon will be getting your, your free autographed copies of the new book soon enough. And yeah, I I feel like I'm not making a very good pitch for this, but I encourage you if you want to learn more or if you want to know how it works or if you just want to spend more time hanging out with me, God help you, um, I encourage you to check out my Patreon page and you can find that at Patreon and that's P as in Peter, A, T as in Thomas, R as in Robert, eonisonnancy.com slash Gwen Cooper, patreon.com slash Gwen Cooper. Check it out. And again, to those of you who are active members of my Patreon community, you really have no idea. Um, and, and it's not just the, the courses that you're enabling me to take, the business that you are enabling me to build. It, it is just knowing that this community is there and, and having so much fun with all of you. And, um, and you really, Every single one of you has has changed my life and and given me something to believe in over the the course of the last couple of years, which have been a tough couple of years for everybody, certainly not just me. Um, you you really have been a light in a dark place, and and for that I thank you. Um, other lights in dark places, by the way, include my cats. Just as I know cats do for all of you as well. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a 30 second break or so. And when we come back, we will actually be talking about cats here on Curl Up with a Cat Tail. So I'm going to encourage you to sit back, get comfortable and stick around for more after the break.
thanks so much for sticking around. Um, I actually, and, and of course, it, for you all, it has been very seamless in only 30 seconds. But for me, this break is, has been a little bit longer. Um, and that is because Fanny was causing something of a ruckus outside. Uh, those of you, again, who are longtime listeners know that I record in my closet um, because it is really the the only soundproofable room in my home. And Fanny was creating something of a ruckus outside of the closet. So it you know, so it's so weird. Um so my cats, perhaps like a lot of your cats, have a lot of toys. I never used to be a person who bought toys for cats. My first generation cats did not care about toys at all. They did they, they just did nothing for them, didn't make them happy. They, there wasn't even that initial rush of excitement when they first played with them. Could not have cared less, uh, except for that one wildly successful stuffed toy worm that I wrote about extensively and that became Homer's favorite toy, having first been enjoyed by Scarlet and then Vashti in her turn. But those cats were not toy cats. They they loved playing with crumpled up pieces of paper and Scarlet was insanely fond of the twisty ties from A Loaf of Bread, things like that. Found art, I guess you could say. Um, but they were not at all interested in traditional store-bought, to- store-bought toys. And for a while, I really thought that cats in general were not, because it just seemed to me I had three. All of them had very different personalities, but this was one thing they had in common. So it seemed probable to me that this was something cats in general had in common, And then, of course, we adopted Clayton and Fanny, who love store-bought toys, at least initially. They they do get tired of things eventually. There's kind of a life cycle to the toy. Uh, But they just getting the toys, like they are as excited as any little kid. If there is a bag, if I take one toy out of a bag, I then have to take all the toys out of it if there are more toys in there because they, I mean, demand it. They will follow me around. They will hunt down the bag wherever I put it in the house. If they know there's a bag with cat toys in it, they will find it. They will extract the cat toys. And even having just given them one, it's not even like I can ration them out. I can't buy a stash of toys, give them one, put the rest away, then maybe give them another one in a week. They, they, it does not work that way. In our house, once they know there's a bag of cat toys, they make my life miserable or they just turn the house upside down until they find it. And they are um, better at doing so than you would think they would be. Anyway, as I said there, so there is kind of a life cycle to toys in in this house. Um, there's the that first initial excitement hooray, it's a new toy. I'm going to, I love this toy. I'm never going to get tired of this toy. I'm never going to stop playing with this toy. And that eventually gives way to, oh yeah, look, there's that toy. And then that gives way to, where is the toy? Um, they, you know, toys have a way of disappearing in this house. And and I'm sure the same is true for those of you who have cats who do like to play with toys. You know, they, they end up under the couch, they end up under the refrigerator. Who who knows where they end up? Uh, but they, they do eventually end up somewhere outside of you. And and I myself will, I have no idea. You know, it's the last time we moved, I was sort of astonished at how how many cat toys appeared from, you know, inside of drawers and, and under pieces of furniture, just as we started moving things around and cleaning and packing up. It it was, it was kind of astonishing, just the, the wealth of cat toys that materialized seemingly from nowhere in our home. And I have no doubt that we are sitting on top of an equally large treasure trove of cat toys in in this house right now. Uh, 
But here's what's been interesting over the course of the past week. So I, I don't even remember how it came into our home. Somebody must have sent it to us because it doesn't look like something that I would have bought. It does, or, you know, mostly because it doesn't look like something that our local pet store sells. Um, and I have no recollection of having bought it myself, but it's like a, like a stuffed brown mouse. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, like three, four inches tall kind of thing. Puffy. And it's wearing, it's, and, and it's a seasonal little brown mouse because it is wearing a Christmas scarf and a little pair of, of reindeer antlers. So it's a little stuffed mouse dressed to look kind of like, like he's dressing like a Christmas reindeer. Uh, so somebody must have sent this to us at some point during some holiday season within the past few years. I, I, I don't recall. If you are the person who sent that to me, by the way, and you are listening to this and you are outraged that I have forgotten that this gift is from you, I'm so sorry. Please Please do forgive me. Um, it's, you know, the Yiddish word is erebuttal. Like, uh, it's it's amazing. My my head is still attached to my shoulders at this point. I routinely forget my own name. So please do not be too resentful of that. But anyway, uh, the point being, I, I don't, I haven't seen this in several years, um, but Fanny unearthed it from somewhere. <laughs> and I know it's ridiculous to think, I mean, Fanny is a cat, so she obviously does not appreciate the seasonality of this little Christmas mouse that she has unearthed, but it is her new favorite thing. And she is obsessed with it. And she, the, man, I this, this little brown mouse over the course of the day makes it all over the house. When I wake up in the morning, I, I wake up to him sitting right outside the door to the bedroom where Fanny has left him for me to find. Um, over the course of the day, he will then end up on the bed for Lawrence also to find when he wakes up. I will see it downstairs near my computer. I will see it on the staircase. Um, first, it'll be on a bottom step. Then it'll be on a top step. Then maybe they'll just be like next to the to the, the balustrade, you know, upstairs or, or next to the bottom step at the bottom uh, downstairs in the house. Um, it, it covers a lot of ground, this little Christmas mouse. And it just seems so weird to me that Fanny has chosen to become obsessed with this Christmas mouse at Christmas time. Um, I'm really not sure what what in her little mind clicked that that made this her new favorite toy, but it is now her new favorite toy. She is obsessed with it. Um, I did find it waiting for me on the seat in my closet where I sit when I record my podcast. And I, I kind of just put it on my desk next to the computer. And then um, there was, when I took a break, just a, a frightful wailing and carrying on a Fanny wanting her her little Christmas mouse back. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm as, as is so often the case, I really do stand here just utterly bewildered. Uh, for someone who writes so many books <laughs> about cats and, and who talks to so many other people who live with cats and love cats, I really do find myself once again in the very familiar situation of just being completely bewildered by my cats, of, of just not understanding what or why or how they think the way that they do. Um, but yeah, there you have it. So Fanny has a Christmas mouse for, for the Christmas season and it her, her new favorite thing. And, and who am I when all is said and done? To, to question this or or try to cast any sort of doubt on it and it makes her happy 
which is the most important thing. And it, it does, you know, we, we don't do a lot of, we're Jewish, we, so we don't really do much in the way of, of Christmas decorating or anything like that. Um, but there, it, it is like there's a sort of cheerful seasonality to seeing this little Christmas mouse turn up everywhere throughout our house. I, I will admit that although I do not decorate the house for Christmas, I'm totally a sucker for all that, that holiday season kind of stuff, the, the movies and the decorations in the stores and on the streets and, you know, driving around to look at people who do decorate their houses with Christmas lights is uh, one of my most fondly remembered traditions from childhood and one that that I still keep up as an adult. And so it is, uh, here's a cheerful little Christmas mouse um, who has arrived just in time to to brighten our home with his presence and and to make Fanny's day. So there you have it. What what can I say? I, I can say nothing. And so I will change the subject to Clayton. Um, Clayton, who is not having quite a seasonal, a, a Christmas season as as Fanny is. Um, and I think I've talked about this before. You know, Clayton is a very possessive cat. At least when it when it comes to me, Clayton is very, very possessive. And it, it is really it feels like it's progressing with time to a point like like it is actually kind of a thing now between him and Lawrence. And and it always cracks me up. You know, so so Clayton, I will say uh, Clayton and I will be hanging out. I'll be in the living room. I'll be sitting on the couch watching TV. Clayton will be lying somewhere on the couch nearby or maybe not even on the couch. Maybe he'll be on the floor or on the other side of the room. Um, but if Lawrence comes in and sits down on the couch next to me, then Clayton will immediately get up from wherever he is and come and get between the two of us and start meowing loudly or he'll crawl into my lap and start meowing into my face so that I am forced to pay attention to him and not to Lawrence. And this is something, it's it's not just on the couch. I, I will not bore you with the belabored examples. But this is something if I'm sitting and working at my desk, which is in a corner of our dining room, and Lawrence comes in to sit down and, and let's say, have some lunch. Um, Clayton will make sure he is standing between me at the desk and Lawrence at the table. And, and again, he will start meowing loudly, even if I'm not talking to Lawrence just to make sure that I'm paying attention to him and not to Lawrence. And, you know, what always what always gets me about it is that, as, as I said to Lawrence, is that I, Clayton does not really seem to, or, or he, he really seems to be firmly of the opinion that he and Lawrence are equals. He does not recognize any difference between Lawrence and himself, or at least not any meaningful difference, certainly not any hierarchical difference. I'm not sure that I pronounced that hierarchical or hierarchical, hierarchical. Anyway, he does not seem to recognize that there is a hierarchy and that Lawrence is actually higher on that hierarchy than Clayton is. Now, Clayton is, of course, not the first cat in the world to fa- <laughs> to fail to recognize the the authority of a human or or to appreciate that, at least as far as the humans are concerned, we occupy a higher spot in the household hierarchy than than perhaps a cat does. Um, but, it, but it really does never fail to amaze me how Clayton just does not see a difference between himself. Like as far as he is, Clayton is concerned, he and Lawrence are both just cats vying for my attention and Lawrence might be a bigger cat. Lawrence might even be a cat who can open cans of tuna and, and dispense them to Clayton. But at the end of the day, Clay, Homer, <laughs> Homer, Lawrence is just another cat in our house and Clayton, as as ranking cat, has first dibs. And I'm not really sure. You know, this is a situation of, of all the, the, the cats that I've lived with over the years and the many situations that I have both been in or that I have heard discussed or, or talked about with other cat people over the years. 
this particular one is is kind of unique, it seems to me, because this is not just every so often or a periodical. This is really becoming like a thing in our house that it really is a problem for Clayton that Lawrence and I talk to each other or or physically close to each other. And I'm not really sure what to do about it because, some, yes, sometimes it's funny and it's, oh, look at Clayton. Clayton is jealous and and we laugh and it's cute. Um, but sometimes it's not cute. Not that he is in any way threatening toward Lawrence or has scratched at Lawrence or, or hurt him. Um, but it is, uh, you know, a little annoying sometimes. Sometimes I would like to just talk to my husband without having to out-shout Clayton in, in doing so, um, which really seems to be the case more and more frequently, that I have to actively shut Clayton up. Like, I have to hush him up before I can have any kind of conversation with Lawrence, much less cuddle up with him on the couch or snuggle up with him in the bed, which, again, at this cold seasonal time of the year is is something that I enjoy doing, as I'm sure many of you do with your own life partners. So I'm not really sure how to handle this situation. I'm wondering if anybody listening has I, – I feel like in, in doing this podcast, I should really be giving advice or something, but I feel that more and more I turn to all of you to give advice to me. So once again, I'm going to throw this out to the wisdom of the crowd. If anybody has dealt with a similar situation, I've dealt with with jealousy between two cats. Um, but this is really becoming rapidly becoming a very intense jealousy between Clayton and Lawrence. And I really do spend so much time with Clayton. I do give him so much attention that I honestly cannot believe that the problem is that he's not getting enough, that he's being made to feel insecure because he's being pushed aside on any kind of regular basis. When all is said and done, I, I spend more hours during the day working than anything else. And Clayton is so often in my lap while I'm sitting at the computer working that I, I don't think the solution is more time with Clayton. Um, I'm not really sure what the solution is. I do want to thank everybody, though, by the way, who reached out to me after the last podcast when I we were talking about the nature of, of gratitude and uh, the nonprofit organization that I had worked with, this woman who I had helped with a fundraiser to rescue some kittens in West Virginia, who, you know, ended up um, turning on me after that fundraiser was over and I, I got some very wise and very insightful answers from all of you and or not. I mean, not all of you, but the all, all of you who took the time to respond to me had really wise and insightful things to say for which I thank you. Um, and, and again, just to clarify for the record, for those of you who listened to that podcast, and, and if you didn't, you can certainly go back and do so and then you will know what I'm talking about. Um, I... I remain proud of the work that I did. And I have long since ceased to be, I was very angry at the time. Uh, it, it was a long time ago. I'm not at all angry now. Um, and the main reason that I still think about it again is I, I just try to to figure exactly, to figure out exactly what aspect of, of human nature, I guess, this represents or, or what the the lesson about human nature I, is that I should have gleaned from it. And the consensus, for whatever it's worth, by the way, seems to be from from those of you who did respond and take the time to write into me, a, a combination of the predictability of once once large sums of money become involved, uh, people tend to get agitated, and that all by itself can create problems. Everybody feels is becomes very anxious that they're not getting their fair share, or that somebody is going to get something that belongs to them, and and so uh, money changes things. Certainly, it does. 
And also when you become involved in helping someone during a particularly difficult moment in their life, you also then become associated with that particularly difficult moment. And while it may make you feel good to help them, they may not look back on having needed to be helped and feel good about it themselves. In fact, they probably won't. And so the combination of those two things can create perhaps a sense of, of enmity where where one would have expected nothing but friendship to take root. And so again, I as always, uh, you astonish me with your wisdom and you you humble me with your willingness to listen to my rantings and ravings here on this podcast. And I thank you for having taken the time to to write back to me and to let me know your thoughts. And on that note, and speaking of writing, which reminds me of work, which reminds me of all the many, many things that I, I still have to get done today before I can cuddle up on the couch with either Clayton or Lawrence, whoever gets there first. And so on that note, I will say goodbye until next week when I will return with another all new episode of Curl Up with a Cattail. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.